I often talk about the, the three C's and the, the first C is clarity. So when you have total clarity on who you are, what you stand for, what it is you wanna to say to an audience, clarity on whatever the situation is, that automatically turns into the second C, which is confidence. If you're clear about it, you're probably gonna feel confident about it. You know, they're just, they're just natural. And then if you're confident about something, you're probably going to feel super connected. That's the third C, to self and to others. So when speakers have come to me and they you know, wanna crush their TED talk or whatever, it's just like, okay, well, let's start with the dig because I don't wanna like pass go or collect $200 until we have epic clarity on who you are and what you wanna communicate because that's gonna turn into the confidence you're gonna to need to connect with the audience. So like, we can't, we can't fast forward this. And sometimes people do not like hearing that, P.S. <laughs> Hi, I'm Chris Whiteout. Welcome to Living It, the podcast where we join experts in the experience of being human. Be bold, say yes to adventure, say yes to living it. Welcome to Chris Waddle Living It, where we talk with experts in the experience of being human. Today, we have my good friend, Erin Weed, who is a woman. This is, this is a superpower, isn't it? We're going to get into your superpowers later, but a superpower of helping people get their purpose to one word. That sounds absolutely extraordinary. It is absolutely extraordinary. And she is absolutely extraordinary. Erin, thank you so much for joining us. Oh my gosh, I'm so happy to be here. <laughs> Thank you. This is awesome. So how, how does somebody get to this point? Were you a particularly good listener as a kid? Were you the one who was always like going, oh, that little nuance is something that's important. How did you get to the point that this became your life's purpose? Hmm. Well, um, I've always been curious about people. I've always been curious about people's stories. But for me, it's not good enough just to know the story. For me, I also really want to know the truth of the story. Like I want to know not only that they're doing it or whatever they're doing in their life story, but like, why are they doing it? What drives them? What's above that? What is the thing, you know? And then I like to look at people's stories like through the thread. Well, why did they do that as a kid? Why are they doing that now? You know, so it's like, um, I've always been very curious, but um, I would say after college, I was really pulled to PR and uh, working in public affairs. And then I got into television production. Then I was like a reality TV employee for a while, which is a whole different podcast. Um, and, and then I ultimately started my own business where the, the thread between all of these things together has been that I love to find out how real we can be. And make our audiences or people around us better for it. Is there a reason why though? I'm like, as you're going through, like you, you enjoyed the thread and the, and the, the follow-up question and the follow-up question, but was there something for you or, or what was the, what was the, the end goal or is it just curiosity? You know, it's a good question because I do think it's more than just curiosity, you know, like if it was just curiosity, I'd be satisfied with, with a simple answer maybe, but I'm never satisfied with a simple answer. I want to go deeper. I want to know more. I want to know the bigger why. And I think for me, it's a very spiritual pursuit. Like I, I think the reason that human beings are here is to learn something. We are here in these human bodies that come into these human lives and we are here to learn something. I also believe we're here to teach something. And so the people I work with a lot, they're really owning that journey of being both a student and a teacher. 
But um, I really think that's like the whole purpose of life. I don't think it's to be happy. I don't think it's to like make a lot of money. I don't think it's to like even have your dream profession. I think the purpose of life is to learn and to teach that one thing of why you're really, really here. But so many people I think feel lost because they don't know that thing, why they're really, really here. And so they spend their whole life looking for it. And I see that as a huge waste of time. And that came to you, it sounds like on an instinctive, intuitive level on some point, but when did you recognize that, hey, this thing that I do is what I'm going to do? Well, I started to see that there was very practical application in the world. Um, I, I really feel like uh, I had to go through my own kind of dark night of the soul, though, before I could help other people with this authentic path thing. And um, I, in my other life, my previous life, I was married to a good person. Uh, together, he and I had two kids. We had a suburban house. You know, there were all the things from, from the outside looking in would be, you know, thumbs up. But I had this deep hole inside of me that I wasn't living my life and I wasn't, I wasn't on track. I wasn't in alignment. And so I kind of had to go through this whole period of dismantling everything that was my identity. I had to leave my marriage. I had to sell my company that had very much defined me for a big part of my young adulthood. I had to move to the town that I was supposed to move to, which is Boulder. Um, I just, I had to like do all these things to come into alignment. And then after that was pretty much complete, um, I started working with TED speakers. And so I was, as a volunteer, I was working with TEDx Boulder and these super genius people that had, had these amazing ideas and accolades would get into a coaching session with me and they would be like, um, I actually don't know what to say. I don't know how to like, it was like, they were almost so overwhelmed with awesomeness and like accomplishment and data and stories. And like, they didn't even know where to start. And so I developed a process called the dig. And I basically just took the speech off the table. And I just said, listen, let's just get to know you. Let's figure out your why. We'll add in the stories and the data and everything else later. And it just worked and people started going viral. So I guess you have to kind of pay attention <laughs> when that happens. Well, it, it's interesting and it's hard, right? To get to why. I mean, it sounds like in some ways for you, when you reached that point, you had a bit of an intuitive sense of where you needed to go or what you needed to do and how you went needed to go to go about it. But getting to why, I mean, like I, I went back again and watched Simon Sinek's uh, TED Talk about about the why right and and that the the why part is the part that is so captivating for all of us and is the stuff that you're like oh yeah definitely like that i'm i i am with you 100 percent. but one of the things that he also said is that that part of our brain doesn't necessarily have language mm. and, and that that to me was one of the was the interesting thing of like okay we know when we've hit on it and we know when somebody else has hit on it. Mm -hmm. But for us getting there, and this is the mapping that you're talking about and essentially almost like helping to pull this out of people mm -hmm. with the dig, how did you, how did you come up with the strategy of the dig, which in some ways is almost like, it's almost like it's distracting the person from the actual <laughs> answer that they're trying to give you 
Yeah. Well, it's certainly distracting them from the anxiety that they feel about the answer they feel they should give you. Right. Um, And I think that's half the battle. Like when we're trying to create something, we just have to get out of our own way. And I will tell you, there's, there is nothing like that feeling of being seen for who you really are. And I knew that these TED speakers that I was working with, this, and this was back in 2012, like 10 years ago, I knew that even though they had all these accolades and successes, that maybe they just hadn't been fully seen. And so um, I felt like, hey, if I just interview them about their life, if I just interview them about what's important to them, about the stories that have defined them, I'm probably going to start seeing patterns emerge. And sure enough, as I interviewed them about their stories, some of which had absolutely no intention of going into a TED Talk. But what I was able to start to see as I was hearing childhood stories, young adulthood stories, full-on adulthood stories, professional stories, personal stories, I started to see that there was always this operating system running in the background. These these words like, okay, this, this person just freedom keeps coming up. It keeps coming up, right? Like through their work, through their personal life, all this stuff. And it comes up in our, in our successes. It also comes up in our failures. Usually those two are the two sides of the same coin. And so I started, so really the dig is kind of, it's definitely an excavation process, but it's also a pattern recognition process. Because when you start to see how you've been operating, you can also predict with pretty good certainty of how you'll continue operating. So then the challenge, this whole like personal growth thing, and I actually think it actually becomes about alignment, not about growth. It's about alignment to come more and more into alignment with who you are. Alignment with who we are. Mm -hmm. So there's a lot in there, right? I mean, Mm -hmm. because one, it's the words and the words that keep coming up. It's, It's the sense of alignment. And, and it's also trying to figure out in some ways, maybe is it, is it having the, having the courage to actually own those words and own might not be the right word, right? I mean, that, that sense of, of being okay with who you are. Is, I mean, which is different than owning, but, but it still takes as much courage to, to be able to, to display that to the rest of the, of the world. How, I mean, cause you're like, I mean, you're, you're cataloging this stuff. You're, you're part therapist in some ways. Pretty much. Yeah, pretty much. Here's the thing that I'll, I, I like to challenge people on when it comes to authenticity though, because I think bravery is often associated with it. Um, but I actually don't think it's the most brave thing to like be in your authentic frequency. What is brave is having to break or change all the inauthentic things that are currently in your world that you have to chisel away in order to get back into your frequency. And that everybody is doing on some degree. Like it's everybody is, um, maybe not everybody, but I have experienced a lot of people fall into this um, feeling of I'm supposed to do this, or I'm supposed to marry a person who looks like that, or I'm supposed to do work that pays this amount, or I'm supposed to have a schedule that's this packed. Um, And then if you step back and be like, well, what's actually my frequency here? What's my authentic, you know, energy level? It's like, it's almost like a relief when someone shows it to you, because that's what we're doing in the dig. We're basically saying here, 
here's what I'm seeing. I'm a random stranger. And here's what I'm seeing from all the pattern recognition of your whole life story, that this is actually your frequency. This is actually where you're going to shine. And this is actually where you're going to be the most happy. People feel relieved. Do they feel relieved both in the moment with you and then going forward? Because part of this also, you've built a bit of a community too, right? Mm -hmm. that, that sense of support, because, because there are a lot of people who, I mean, for, for, for a lot of us, it's really, it's easier to hide mm -hmm. yeah. than it is to be our authentic self. And as a group, Mm -hmm. It's easier to hide because if someone is, is truly authentic, it often can make the rest of us feel a little bit uh, uncomfortable, a little bit less than, and a little bit challenged, threatened, right? Totally. totally. So like, so now you're talking about the external part, right? So the first part, when I'm talking about the relief, that's the internal. Okay. Someone sees me, they show me my frequency. Ah, oh, there's this like nervous system relaxation. That's who I really am. But then it's like, oh shit, <laughs> now I have to go out and be in the world. And, um, and in, in your case, and in many of the people who I work with case, um, when you're sharing ideas, you're telling stories, you're making movies, you're starting nonprofits, you're doing all these things that are extremely external. All of our conditioning comes back around, you can't do that. That's not what they've done before. Is that how you're really gonna win this? Is this, you know, whatever, all the, all the little chatterboxes come in, you know, and, and then we start getting into a war around, do we align with that frequency that is solely ours, or do we match the frequency of what we think people want to see? Like what's going to land? And so that is scary as hell until we just fully claim our own frequency, which I believe is a lifelong pursuit. Like I'm, I'm certainly not there yet but I look forward to the day. <laughs> I read something, this is, this, is, this is helpful for you, I think, in some ways. And then I read something with the Dalai Lama and, and they were talking to him, the guy who was writing it was talking about enlightenment and asking the Dalai Lama about enlightenment. And as the reader, you're kind of like, you're flipping pages. You're like, I, I think I'd like to know what enlightenment is all about. And the Dalai Lama said, enlightenment's the top of the mountain and I'm on the mountain. I'm not there yet, but I know that I'll get to the top of the mountain. And in some ways, that's, that's what it sounds like for you. But the question is, in some ways, what's the, what's the end product? The end product of, of being aligned, of, of being authentic. What, what does that give you versus the other side of uh, I mean, calling it inauthentic is not necessarily the most flattering term, right? Uh, but not as realized potentially, right? You know, or or circuitous or whatever. I love that question. What does it get you? Um, I love also your story around it being a mountain. Yes, yes, and yes. Like, and I like to think that as we get older, we get better at it. You know, sometimes I wonder when I have conversations with like really old people and sometimes they're kind of just crabby or they just like kind of tell you how it is. I'm kind of like, I wonder if they've just been climbing that mountain and they're finally to, you know, maybe that's not, maybe it's not enlightenment, but they're certainly like no longer giving a, a hoot about what people want from them or want them to be, you know? So there's a part of me that's always like, huh, that's, that's pretty cool. But, um, 
but the end goal I think is freedom is freedom. Like to be free to be who you really are. Ugh. like who doesn't want that? You know, well, you're not wasting all of your energy right. trying to be something that you think you're supposed to be, but you're not exactly sure what you're supposed to be, mm-hmm. but you, you sh- you're sure that what you are is not what you're supposed to be. Yes. Thank you for naming the wasted energy because like I, that really pains me. Like when I see people struggle so much, it's just like, you think about, wow, this is a highly capable, intelligent, powerful, incredible human being that is just spinning their wheels on the truth. That's probably never going to change. Like what else could we be doing with that energy? Like, and I think that that's got to be part of it too, right? Is that we have, in some ways, we, we have like a finite amount of energy. We have a finite amount of power. Mm-hmm. But if, if we can direct it in, it's almost like having a bigger aperture kind of thing that the more realized we are, the more of that power we're able to direct into whatever purpose it is whatever we're trying to achieve is that is that fair within within your experience yeah like i i often talk about the the three c's and the the first c is clarity so when you have total clarity on who you are what you stand for what it is you want to say to an audience clarity on whatever the situation is that automatically turns into the second c which is confidence if you're clear about it you're probably going to feel confident about it you know they're just they're just natural and then if you're confident about something you're probably going to feel super connected that's the third c to self and to others so when speakers have come to me and they you know want to crush their ted talk or whatever it's just like okay well let's start with the dig because i don't want to like pass go or collect 200 dollars until we have epic clarity on who you are and what you want to communicate because that's going to turn into the confidence you're going to need to connect with the audience so like we can't we can't fast forward this and sometimes people do not like hearing that. P.S. <laughs> well, sometimes so so there can be a fourth C sometimes in that there's the challenge too, right? Mm-hmm. So even watching your TED talk mm-hmm. and showing up and and showing up for your friend in your in your Wonder Woman outfit and having to go to Starbucks in your Wonder Woman outfit, how does that fit with this idea of of being your authentic self, being confident enough, being clear and confident and, 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 and committed or, and connected enough to be willing to be a bit of a spectacle because sometimes that's the, that's, that's the unsettling issue, isn't it? If you're, if you're sort of outside of the norm, you're, and, and if you're wearing a Wonder Woman outfit, in Starbucks, you are out of the norm. I'm assuming it. Maybe in some Starbucks you're not, but <laughs> but but being willing to to rise to that to that challenge and and recognize because it's easy to it's easy to sort of have all this stuff mm-hmm. when everything's comfortable, right? And then it's like, oh, this is the person that I said that I was. Yeah. Huh. Mm. what do I do how did how did you how did you meet that when what was the internal dialogue that was going on 
I mean, in that situation specifically, I didn't have a change of clothes. So <laughs> I was kind of like, uh, I was pigeonholed into that decision. But, um, but I do feel like these are beautiful invitations in life. When we are ushered into this place that is highly uncomfortable. But if we do feel clear about our why, if we do feel that clarity, we're probably going to feel more confident in it, even if we are a spectacle. Like, it's almost like, yeah, I think it's like Tony Robbins talks a lot about how you don't change until it becomes more uncomfortable to not change. And so I believe that's probably applicable to authenticity too, is just like, you don't be fully authentic until it becomes more uncomfortable to not be authentic that it almost feels like a polarizing feeling to, to be inauthentic. So you can't be that anymore. So you really have no more choice, you know? It's in, now that you've started talking about these C's, it seems like every, every single word kind of like the C flashes up. So it's almost like championing the cause in some ways too, right? <laughs> I mean, it's like, with this, the rest of the podcast. I don't know what's happening here. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. You, we could, we, maybe we need to write another book together because like, uh, <laughs> You know, like the C's could just keep going on because there are, I, I like that championing because, you know, there is something to be said about like when you do your work and you do these major life things around authenticity and stepping who you really are and doing all the scary stuff that's attached to that, you become such a light for other people. And I, I think that's why for, for a decade, I have, I have worked with a very similar kind of person, people like you, people who are making things, people who are constantly working on themselves. So they're doing the inner so that they can like share it with the world, you know, and, and using words and images and activism to do that. Like, I will never get tired of this, you know, because the world needs those people who are willing to be those lights. It's funny because I think, that, that we all we all have like this this reason that we could be ostracized right or whatever mm -hmm. you know like this thought in our head of like oh if anybody ever knew this then I'd be on the outside looking in and we think it sort of makes us unique mm -hmm. but it actually makes us human yeah. in that respect but it's also isn't it really weird to have that thing that we worry about and then see somebody else who just completely owns it completely owns it publicly mm -hmm. and you think well that's not really that big a deal if if they've just owned it it can't be it can't be that big a deal but yet rattling around in my head it's this it's this huge deal how does that catharsis happen hmm. within the dig i'm going back to another c yeah. i have no idea it's all <laughs> it's all c's now i'm here for it chris another c right there um how does it happen um i think I think there is a power of telling your life story to a stranger and that that is how the dig runs and um, it's almost like you have this opportunity to take all your stories out of your own head and like and I work in sticky notes so I put like hundreds of sticky notes on a very large window um, even when I work with people virtually I know how virtual sticky notes but there's something cathartic about taking it out of your head putting it on a sticky note and getting it up there like getting it up on the glass, it's almost like you're free from it living in here solely. And now it's like you and another person can like look at it together and be like, hmm, you know, and create some sense to it and some like 
I see a beautiful rhythm with people's operating systems, like just how their words show up in their life. It's, it's constant. It's in, when we go back through a life story, you see so much proof. Like one thing that kind of bothers me about a lot of authenticity work and spiritual work and is it's like, I'm, I'm a, I have a brain where I like data. I like proof. I like, I like research. I like, I like facts, you know, because I value truth. And like when something's too fluffy, I don't like it. But when you look at your whole life story and you see this data repeating over and over again, it's almost like undeniable. So when you're asking about how do you really claim that? How do you really own that? It's almost like, how can you not when it's staring at you on sticky notes saying, this is who you are. This is who you've been. You know, it's, it's just like a fact. Well, and it also allows you that objectivity as well, mm. right? So in your mm. head, it feels like it's more subjective. It's almost like it's, it's, it has a life of its own or whatever. And then when it's, when it's there on the sticky note, yeah. you have the objectivity to be like, oh, okay, that is a fact. Yeah. What do we do with that, that fact, as opposed to this sort of malleable thing that can continue to grow and and, and yeah, and, and, and challenge and corrupt you in so many ways. What's the experience like for you? I've often felt like a teacher, it's almost like it's unfair. Like that the, the person who's the teacher or the coach or the instructor in a lot of ways ends up learning more than, <laughs> than the student. Yeah. Is, yeah. is that the way the experience is for you? Or what is that experience? Because I'd imagine each one is different though, too. Yeah, everyone is 100% different. And that's probably been the most surprising thing about my decade of digging has been, I mean, I know sometimes people like think of people as very special snowflakes and things like that in a very fuzzy sort of way. But again, I look at it from like a very data perspective and like, it is crazy to me how different, unique, valuable, and just incredibly awesome we all are like on a soul level, you know what I mean? It's just, everybody is so incredibly different. It's, it's actually mind blowing to me. In fact, I've done about a thousand digs so far. And, um, and I've had quite a few people that have had repeat dig words. So we have, we have like, I call them dig twins. And sometimes I introduce them to each other because they're, they're just immediately going to get along. They're in their, their own frequency. But even though they have the same word, their whole, their whole vibe is completely different. Like their whole operating system of what makes them tick is completely different. And, um, I think that's just what keeps me so inspired by the work. Does it change who you are in your everyday life and your, your life outside of work? Are you, are you digging all the time? Yeah, hundred percent. And to answer your question earlier about like, as the teacher, am I now like almost getting more from them? Like, I'd like to think of, of any growth exercise is everyone should be winning. Like if the teacher isn't learning, there's a problem with that. If the student isn't growing, there's a problem with that. But I almost would like challenge us to think of it even as like reducing the roles to ash and just like, you're a human on a journey and I'm a human on a journey. And this is what I can offer you. And this is what you need right now. And now I win and you win and together we're better. And now what can we go create? Like, I just think that's a beautiful thing. So it can be very symbiotic. Well, and, and it's, that is the connectiveness 
connectedness that you're that you're talking about and in some ways it's kind of like that sort of like buddhist kind of belief right where it's like on a cellular level we're all connected there's no difference between me and you and the tree and the and and whatever and 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 which gives us a greater sense of connectedness a greater sense of responsibility as well you know to to things that are separate from us because it's so easy for us to think of your, ourselves mm-hmm. as being unique and I need to protect myself and all of that and the protecting myself I actually want to go back a little bit to to earlier in your career because I can't help but I mean in this in this world right now I can't help but but think about girls uh, girls fight back right and 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 what what that means so can you can you can you tell us first what girls fight back means and how you were helping to prepare other girls or women yeah yeah so girls fight back was a company i started in 2001 at the time i was like 23 years old and recently had graduated college uh, i was living in new york city telling stories you know working in television and um, one of my best friends back at Eastern Illinois University where we went to college. Uh, her name was Shannon McNamara. Uh, she was murdered while fighting off an attacker in her apartment. And um, in a few days, it'll actually be the 21st anniversary of that event. And um, so it's been over 20 years of that horrible, horrible night. But I don't know, it was one of those, one of those life experiences where you're just never the same. And um, my, my reaction to it was, I have to transmute this somehow, like I have to find a silver lining somehow. And it felt very impossible in the moment, but shortly after her murder and she was, she was 21 years old. She was a few days shy of her 22nd birthday. And, um, but what started revealing itself to me was just how afraid young women were like, and also I started realizing how the statistics were just kind of out of control for violence against women, especially in that 16 to 22 age group, uh, whether it be for acquaintance attacks or, you know, the kind of what Shannon experienced was with guy breaking into her house in the middle of the night, which statistically is very low on, on the occurrence side, but it happens nonetheless. And um, I just started realizing that myself as, you know, a young, recently graduated former sorority president, maybe young women would listen to me better than say like a campus cop or something. Maybe there, if I could train myself to, to get the internal experience of getting some truth around my safety and my self-protection, then maybe I could share that with other people. And so I went on a whole journey to just study with like the most incredible badasses in the world. Like we're talking like Marine Corps, NYPD, martial arts, Krav Maga, all the things. And um, I just kept getting all these certifications. And then a day came where I was like, all right, I want to pay it forward. And so I actually went back to the university where Shannon was murdered, um, our university. And I taught a girls fight back seminar, which is a 90 minute one woman show that basically teaches the fundamentals of um, preventing violence or reducing the risk intuition, learning to trust it, and then also physical self-defense techniques in a worst case scenario where you have no other, no other choice. And um, so I taught this in a ballroom to a thousand women and they loved it. And I ended up getting signed by a speakers bureau 
And before you knew it, I was like on a, I was like a professional speaker on tour, traveling the country, speaking at all these colleges, teaching women to be safe and strong. And uh, so that was a 12 year journey of, you know, developing a program, whittling down a message to be so authentic and true and that could resonate with thousands of people at once. And then ultimately training other speakers to give the presentation and uh, scaling internationally. And then I ultimately sold the company in 2013. And it continues now. Mm-hmm. How, how similar are these two things? I mean, one is, is about your physical, your physical protection, but also your, your mental preparation for your, your physical, mental, emotional protection, I guess. And, and, then, and then looking at the dig and empowering somebody to be their, their authentic self. In some ways, it seems like there are definitely some, some parallels. How, what are the connections between the two of those? The connection is the authenticity because I remember the, the night after Shannon was murdered, me and a bunch of my sorority sisters were sitting around a campfire in my parents' backyard. And we were just trying to process everything that had happened. And as the night went on though, we started trying to figure out how we're going to live in this world with this kind of violence. And this time this guy hadn't been caught. So it was just like a very scary situation. But I started hearing like my closest friends, these young, amazing, brilliant, powerful women just say things like, you know what? Um, I was going to go on a, a cross the world trip and backpack Europe and I'm not doing that anymore. It doesn't feel safe or Oh, I was going to break up with my boyfriend, but you know, it would mean that he would have to move out of the apartment. I'd have to sleep by myself or, I mean, just went on and on and on. Like all of these, all of these like inauthentic choices that we're making simply to stay alive. And I, I started thinking this to myself. I was like, you know what, what kind of lives would women lead if they didn't fundamentally feel afraid of being raped or killed? And if you ask that to a lot of women, they probably might tell you a few things they do differently. Wow. I mean, that's, that's a really big question. And, and uh, I mean, it, it affects every, every single thing you might do with your life. On, on one side, you have sort of the, the side of survival, mm-hmm. you know, of like this, it, it is purely about survival mm-hmm. and, and on the other side on the on the authenticity side on the dig side you have more of what, what I think of is almost almost the comfort and and, and that's the dilemma in some ways of like mm. I can be authentic tomorrow mm. I don't have to do it today or but 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 it is continuing to push that forward. Like how how does that how do you meet that challenge? Because even I look at like what you've done with some of your your art, where you've worked in in words, you've worked with people, and then you move into a different genre mm-hmm. where there's no guarantee of success by any means. There is only a guarantee that you will be stretched. Mm-hmm. but is that part of it? Is that part of the intoxication almost in some ways of like continuing to push forward, continuing to keep it real, mm-hmm. even when it gets a little bit comfortable? 
Yeah. Wow. I, I really hadn't thought about that. The art um, playing into it so much, but I think there's just like always more to uncover. It's almost this insatiable drive to like, how real can it be? And like, um, and so I, I think like, I, I just recently was on a, a discovery call with somebody and they were really wanting to do the dig and, but they were in like kind of a really stressful situation and, um, without getting into the details, it, it's just like, they weren't in a good place to dig because they're, they're so uncomfortable on a survival level, you know, and this could be if somebody doesn't have a lot of money, they just got fired or they're like, their partner just left them. Or, I mean, you're just like in the throes of just like clawing to get to the next day. I don't know that's the best time for this kind of deep introspective work, but once you get your footing again, it, it actually be, can become the map forward. You know, it's like, it's like a lens through which to see the world because it can get very overwhelming. Just all the different lessons we can learn and all the different experiences we can have. And it's overwhelming. But if you know that, like in my case, my dig word is authentic. So I know that where I struggle and also where I shine, it's probably all tied into authenticity, right? Like, I don't think anybody's ever done art like mine. It is like super authentic. It's people's life stories on sticky notes, spelling out these bigger words. Like it's crazy weird, but I love it because it's true for me. But I also struggle with it sometimes too. I can be a pleaser. I can overschedule myself because I'm not being real with myself about how my nervous system is actually wired. Um, I can, you know, I can give you a whole litany of all the ways this fails me, but that's my learning path. I can, I can get better, but it's through this lens of authenticity, which is different than yours. Like you're not, your, yours isn't that word. I don't know if you want to share it, but. Mine, mine is bold, right? It is. And, and it's funny because, because in some ways you're talking about authentic mine is mine is bold and in some ways it means something relatively similar you know of like sort of the idea of being willing to sort of strip yourself naked kind of thing to Mm -hmm. to say this is this is who I am Mm -hmm. and and it's a bit of a um it's a bit self-correcting in some ways I guess Mm -hmm. if if you're aware of it right that you come back to it and go oh right that's that's what I've committed to. That's the person that I am, and I've deviated from it. And it brings me back and goes, okay, this is a this is centering, and moving forward. Mm-hmm. It's it's a really interesting. I don't know. I mean, it it it, it continues to be that challenge. And you're t- you're talking about how it continues to. You have to continue to go go forward and grow. Mm-hmm as we get older, there is that part of us that feels like, but shouldn't I get to some point <laughs> where, where it's okay? Yeah. Well, <laughs> and I do think that we get to these points. Like I almost think of it as like, I've never climbed mountains like you have, but like, I like to think that if I was to climb a mountain, there would be like little what do they call them? Plateaus or something like plateaus. Sure. Little rest areas. (laughs) Um, So it's like you climb, you climb, you climb, and then you get to a stopping point and you set up camp and you just like be there for a while. Right. Like I I like to think of this journey as being similar. You can't, you don't really want to go back down and lose the footing you just did. So that's always unappealing. 
but you might not be ready to go up either. And I think it's totally okay to just take a break. The mountain is such an interesting metaphor because yes, there are, I mean, I climbed Mount Kilimanjaro and yes, there are times that you, that you kind of reach a plateau or a flatter point. I don't really remember those. I mean, it just, it did just seem like it just kept going and going <laughs> and going and that you had the, you, you could stop whenever you wanted to. Mm-hmm. You just had to get going again. Yeah. Each time you stopped. And when you reach the top, this, I guess, is answering my question in that when, when you reach the top, you think, well, that's it. Will it, it all make sense. Mm. And the thing that it reminded me of is that the top of one mountain is then the bottom of the next mountain. Mm -hmm. And you get to, and you're like, oh yes, we're here. And it's like, yes, you're here. And what are you going to do now? Mm -hmm. And it gets to be that challenge. It's been 10 years for you doing, doing the dig project. What are you going to do now? What's kind of the next challenge? Well, the next challenge is um, writing the book. I don't have the attention <laughs> to write like a whole real book, like a long book. So I write tiny books, which are 20,000 word. You know, if you, are, if you read Seth Godin stuff, I love his books. Like you can read them in a flight and that's really all I got to say, right? You know, you can apply it for the rest of your life. But like what I have to say is can fit into 20,000 words. So I'm writing um, a few of these tiny books for some of these systems to help people get the clarity, get the confidence, make the connections. And um, yeah, so that's the main thing. And my reason for that is I want to train facilitators. I want, I see this kind of work, these kinds of systems as being just an add-on to the genius that all these people are, are bringing out in the world, whether you're a graphic designer or an executive coach or um, an entrepreneur who cares like it's like if you really know how to be more authentic and you know how to help others up that mountain too it just it just flows better you know it's a more enjoyable journey and by the way like sometimes I wonder um, maybe maybe mountain wasn't the best metaphor for me to bring up because like I, I almost think of this as like a very expansive kind of thing like you know just like how an atom works right like it's just maybe it's not so like maybe it's more of a human thing to think of it as like there's always got to be an end or there's always like a success point and what if it's never ending I, I know that makes the ego just like spin out but like what if this is just never ending what if we're just always evolving and every challenge and um and joy is an opportunity to step more fully into who you are and it's just like I don't know what if that's just it it's a good question. And especially you're moving into a different medium as well. Usually you're in the position of asking questions and helping to guide or, 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 or at least, at least uh, probe in some ways. Mm -hmm. uh, what's that process like when you take it from the questioning part to then the writing part, mm -hmm. which is, which is a bit more definitive and a bit more concrete than the questioning, which can seem like it can go, in almost any direction. This is taking that and synthesizing. What's that process like for you? Is it a challenge? Um, not really, because I'm just gonna tell people stories. Like I'm, I'm going to present the, the information and I, here's what I do. And, and you're right, the questions that I might ask people in a dig session, 
are never the same questions, but they, I'm more, I'm more concerned about where the questions could lead us than what the questions are. And really what I want to know, I want clarity. I want clarity about who you are. And I want clarity about your truth from three places. I want your intellectual truth. So like facts that are undisputably true. I want emotional truth of what you have felt throughout different phases of your life. And I want like desire-based truth, like what you really want, what you've believed that would be better in this world. And if I can get if I could answer, ask any question to get to those responses, then we're probably going to get you to an operating system and a word that can best encapsulate you so that you can move forward and just feel aligned. Wow, which is absolutely spectacular and an amazing gift to give to so many people out there. And it's also, I think it's cool. I mean, you've, you've said that you write these little books, but they're easily digestible too, which I think in some ways is so helpful for all of us, just in that, we can digest it, we can think about it, we can apply it mm -hmm. without sort of going through a month-long process of getting all the information in. Right. Yes. That's, I mean, that's the joy in it is when you can actually see an immediate impact in your life. Um, I don't want just navel gazing that has no <laughs> practical application in the world. I have, I have too much Capricorn in my astrological chart to be okay with that. So. <laughs> Aaron, where can people find you? They can find me at AaronWeed.com. AaronWeed.com. Or and any at Aaron Weed on any social media thingy. It all works. Perfect. Well, thank you so much for joining us. Good luck with the books this summer. Good luck with, with all of the other directions that you might take in uh, during the summertime. But thank you so much. I really appreciate it. Thank you, Chris. Yes, it's been a wonderful. Uh, thanks to all of you for tuning in. I hope that you've enjoyed it. If you have, please tell your friends. Please follow us, please like us, and we'll come back with another great guest next week. Thanks a lot and take care. Thank you for joining us. Please subscribe to Chris Whiteout Living It for more stories on the adaptive community, the Paralympics, artists, athletes, entrepreneurs, experts in the experience of being human. Also follow us on Spotify, Apple, Facebook, and Instagram. I look forward to seeing you next week.